Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Morning for a few minutes, and how many know there's a lot of four-letter words that are bad words, but there's a four-letter word that's the most powerful word in the world, and it's love. And then add that, that we love like Jesus. I want to talk about loving like Jesus this morning. How many know that that's the way we should be loving? I love those perspective on those kids because the innocence, like they said, it's what they see and perceive. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about love this morning. It's, it's, uh, it's a word that's so key and so vital, but at the same time so misused and so many times lacking in our lives. Amen. I want to open up the Bible to Hosea chapter 1 and give you a couple uh, seconds to find it. It's a book that's a little bit difficult to find. It will also have it on the screen as well. I want to start off with a story because by the time this message is over, you're going to realize that there's a real challenge from God about loving. And it, it, is, it is not a question of whether or not we should love, but how we should love. And that's why I want to chose, cho- I chose love like Jesus. There's a lot of examples. How many know that there's someone in your life who gave you a good example of what love was? And then there's some people in your life that gave you some bad examples of what love is. And so Jesus is our perfect example, and we're going to learn to love like him. Amen? So let's read Hosea chapter 1. We're going to just a few verses. But God, God asked this, this prophet to do something crazy. You know, if you're not married and you're, and you're praying for your spouse or you're looking for that person that God has for you, um, we're praying for you too and hoping that you find a man or a woman who is saving themselves for marriage, who loves God and who's, who's wanting to spend the rest of their lives with one person. But God does something really interesting here in the book of Hosea chapter 1. He says, when the Lord began to speak, and I want to show you something about speaking. When the Lord speaks, how many know we should listen? Right? The entire Bible is God's word speaking to us and challenging us. So God is speaking to Hosea and he says, The Lord says to him, go and take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now, we'll stay there for a second. How many know that's a very strange command? I I would never tell any of you, hey, instead of going and finding that husband or wife that's saving themselves for marriage and loves God, go find a prostitute. Go to the club next weekend and find the person who's, who's the most lost, the one that's with the most people. He says this to this man, go and marry a prostitute. That's not normal counsel. Can you say amen? But there's a story and a picture that God is trying to give us here of redemption. And what he's saying here in this relation is he says at the end there, he says, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. I want you to see something important this morning. As we begin to look at these verses, we as people are very good at looking at other people and many times judging, many times thinking a certain thing um, or or saying, man, they've really messed up or they're really lost or whatever, and not realizing that the person that we're looking at is, is probably less messed up than we are and probably done less than we have. But as we sometimes can be Christians for a while, we can forget where we came from. And we can forget what God saved us from. 
And so God is using this example in the Bible, and he's telling Hosea, I want you to go marry this prostitute because I want you to show the world that I'm, rede- I'm a redeemer. And the woman is a picture of the prostitute there is a picture of me and you. Say me. Say I. Amen. That's me and you. That's the picture. And the picture there is showing that we have, have known the Lord, but we have gone away from the Lord and gone back to our old ways many times. And so he says, I want you to go marry this woman. I want you to have children with her. They end up having a boy. Uh, we'll read the next verse there, verse 3. It says, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now the Bible goes on to tell us there in Hosea that they have another son and another daughter, so they have a total of three children. And at some point later on, we don't know the exact time frame of of, of time that goes by, she goes and leaves him and goes back to prostituting again. And so that that would be painful, amen? Not only did you go and obey the Lord and, and marry a prostitute, now she's gone back and left you. And you'd be thinking, God, what in the world? Why, why would you have me, first of all, go marry this woman knowing that she was going to leave me? And so she leaves him and goes back to her old ways. But God's not done yet. Say this with me. God's not done with me yet. How many are thankful God's not done with you yet? I want you to put yourself in the place of Gomer this morning, of that, of that prostitute, of that harlot, because that is us many times with our love. Our love for God, our love for others, we get pulled away from what God wants us to have in our lives. This is a message, say this with me, this is a message for me. Okay? Say that, look at someone next to you and say, this isn't just for you, this is for me. Okay, you got that? Don't, don't elbow the person next to you, don't think about your spouse, don't think about someone else. This message is for me. I've already preached it to myself this morning. I preached it to myself last last service, and I'm preaching it to myself again. This message is for you. This message is for me. Okay? Because we have to remember where we came from. If we're going to truly understand and walk in the love that is like Jesus. How many know there's no greater power in the world than the power of the love of Jesus? Okay, now, now we would think that he would be done. But God's not done. In chapter 3, we go on to see in verse 1, watch what he says. She's gone. She's gone back to prostituting. And God says, then the Lord said, go again. Now, how many know go again is good sometimes? Like if you just went on a roller coaster and you liked it, hey, let's go again. You know, you went to a restaurant, you like, hey, let's go again to that restaurant. This is not a good go again. God says, I want you to go again. And I want you to love a woman who is loved by a lover and committing adultery. Not an easy task. Can you say amen? I want you to go love a woman who is loving another and is committing adultery. And so when we read this, here's what we do as people. Here's what we do. We read that story and we go, oh, man, what a bad person. She went and failed again. I don't want you to read it like that this morning. I want you to look at it and say, that's what I do all the time to God. That's my heart with God a lot of times. I go and I love other things more than I love God. My heart is pulled away and I go and I fall in love with things that that are not important. I fall in love with idols. I fall in love with other things and, and not take the judgmental spirit there. 
but say, that's me right there. I'm that woman who's committing adultery. I'm that woman. Some of you are all think, what you talking about? What do you mean? What did I do wrong? All of us commit adultery all the time spiritually with God because we have idols. You might not like me saying that, but it's the truth. We have things in our lives that we allow to become more important than God. It's a constant battle in our lives to make sure that we are loving like Jesus. Amen. So it says, just like the love, watch this. This is what I got ahead of myself. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. That's us. Now, we're not replacing Israel, but we're, I, we're, we're a typology there. Israel was a type of us, of the church. And he says, you're, you're just like the love of the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raising cakes of the pagans. Raising cakes could be whatever it is that pulls you away from God being first. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for a visitation of your Holy Spirit and your presence this morning in this service. Thank you for allowing us just to stop and feel your presence and know that you're here. Thank you for healing those people we prayed for. Thank you for healing our hearts this morning because, Lord, we need love. We need to love like you, Jesus. We need to be like you. And love is what is going to change this world, but it has to be real, Father. Lord, anoint these words, get them into our heart, into our spirits, and bring forth fruit from it. And we bind every spirit that comes against it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Say this with me, love like Jesus. Now, I want to read you the dictionary definition of love. I want you to see the difference between a worldly love and a godly love. The definition of love in the dictionary is this, an intense feeling of deep affection. Okay, that's pretty simple. An an intense feeling of deep affection. There's a key word there in this part of the dictionary, of this definition, feeling. Feeling. How many know that feelings are fickle? Feelings can fool us. Feelings can, 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 can cause us a lot of problems. And a lot of times, feelings, we say, I don't feel like loving my spouse. I don't feel like loving that person. And when you do feelings, that's the definition of the world. A lot of people in this world love people if someone loves them back. That's what we look for in our world is we, we'll, we'll love people if they love us back. We'll treat people good if they treat us good. We'll respect, come on somebody, we'll respect somebody if, if they respect us. But see, God is talking about a totally different love. Because if I remember right, the Bible says, and I don't have this in my notes this morning, but Romans 5.8 says that while I was still a sinner, Jesus loved me. Is anybody thankful for that? While I was still a sinner, Jesus loved me and died for the ungodly. Say, I'm ungodly. I know you don't like being called that, but you are, and I am. Like Pastor Kirk said, without God, we're lost. We have no hope. And there's no way we can love like Jesus without Jesus' help. But I hope that this message helps you a little bit because by the time we get through this, you're going to realize, first and foremost, we don't have a choice. Jesus isn't asking us if we want to love. He's telling us to love. And he also did the best thing he could ever do. He showed us love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
He died for the ungodly. He didn't wait for us to get together. Isn't that one of the biggest problems with church today is that when you invite someone to church, a neighbor, a family member, or whatever, or maybe you were like that too, you said, man, i got to get some stuff together before I go to church. I, I, can't, I can't go to church. If I go into church, man, them rafters are going to fall. If I step in there, the thing's going to fall apart. I can't. Have you ever heard someone say that? I can't go there because i got too much, too much to get together. And that's a lie from the devil because we're all trying to get it together. I've been, I've been saved 27 years, and I'm still trying to get it together. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still working on this heart that's, that's flesh, amen, and, and wants to go back many times to my old self. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one in here. But, see, the reason that happens is because of feelings. There's days you wake up, and you don't feel like doing what's right. You don't feel like loving, but God went all the way to the cross, regardless of his feelings. How many know he had some times where he didn't feel like loving the people when they were hitting him? He didn't feel like loving them and dying for them when they were pulling out his beard. He didn't feel like loving them when they spit on him. But he did it. He demonstrated his love. That great verse, the the most wonderful verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world. And say, for God so felt like he loved the world, he loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God that Jesus was not moved by his feelings. Now, I want to read the definition now of the Bible. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, many of you have heard this, but I want you to see it. So the definition of love in the dictionary is a feeling. A feeling. How many are following me? A feeling. And if I'm going off the definition of the, of, of the dictionary, there's going to be days that I'm not loving like Jesus. Maybe that's today for you. Maybe that's last week for you. Maybe that's tomorrow for you. You don't feel like it. But watch what Jesus says. If I could speak, or Paul, Jesus' words through Paul, if I could speak all the languages of the world and of angels, but did not love others, I would be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I could speak, if, sorry, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans, how many would like to know those things? And possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, and sacrificed my body. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now stay there for a second. Those are all good things. Sacrificing for the Lord is good. Giving is good. Doing what's right is good. All those, he's not saying don't do those things. He's saying that those things are meaningless if you don't love. I I don't know if I invented this saying or if I heard it and I've just kept it for a long time. doesn't matter, but it's a good one. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Can I say that again? Is that the truth? What good good does it do for you to know everything and have knowledge and wisdom and, and have money and have all these things if you don't care? People, that's why I love those things about those kids, because kids pick up on what's real. Stay with me here. You want to you know, you know about somebody? 
Go talk to the kids. Right? You'll, you'll get the truth from the kids. Right? Go talk to the kids. The, kid, the kids are going to tell like it is. They're going to say what they see. And that could be a scary thing. That can be a good thing. But the truth is, is we need, it needs to be real. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And that's love. Jesus didn't just tell people, I love you. Matter of fact, if you, if you read the scriptures, you don't see him actually even saying it very much, if he said it at all. I, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't think of a, of a verse just right off, my, off the top of my head where he just said, I love you. But he showed it. How many know actions speak louder than words? That's what 1 Corinthians 13, he's saying the definition is not what you know about love, it's that you love. And those other things should be there, but they don't mean anything if you don't love. Now watch this. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Love is patient. No, I didn't just cuss in church. And kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Can somebody say amen? It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no, watch this, it keeps no, this is New Living Translation, by the way, it keeps no record of being wronged. That's a spirit we should have right there. It keeps no record of being wronged. Some people say, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. Now, you don't have to forget, but let me tell you something. If you will, you'll be better off. Because if you keep holding on to that and remembering it and bringing it back, you're never going to get over it. Let it go. Come on, I don't want that to hit back at me. Let it go. Keeps no record of being wrong. You know what I want in my heart? And I'm not saying I do this perfect, but it's what I want. I want, to be, I want to be wronged by somebody, and I want to be able to treat them like they never did me wrong. I can't speak for you. I'm just telling you what I have inside the desires of my heart. I want to be the kind of person that when I'm wronged, I don't, I don't treat those person, that person like I've been wronged. I, I love them like Jesus would love them. And he, didn't he do that? I know, it's, you know, I know this is a good message because it's quiet. <laughs> Amen. It's quiet. That means the Holy Spirit's speaking and we're reflecting. We're thinking about this. Loving like Jesus. Loving like Jesus loved us. Not by words, but by action, by demonstration. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. I've said this a bunch of times, and this is a confirmation right here. Love never gives up. Jesus will love you all the way to hell. He'll love you all the way to hell. You, you, he's not sending you there. Nobody in hell goes there by Jesus sending them there. We send ourselves there. He, he made a very, very clear statement in, in the Old Testament that's, that's, that's just so key. He said, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. I mean, just common sense, right? I mean, what's better, life or death? What's better, joy or sadness? Right? Pain or, or no pain? Right? Not, not too, you don't have to be too smart. don't have to have a college degree, master's or nothing. Common sense. He says, I'm, I'm placing before you life and death or blessings and curses. Which one you want? Blessings or curses. He's, he, he just lays it out there, and he says, do what's right, choose what's right. He's, but he'll love you all the way to hell, but he gives you the choice to go there. He doesn't want you to go there. But he will love you all the way. Even if you reject him, he'll love you. You know what's crazy about Jesus is he died on that cross knowing so many people will reject him. If I put myself in that place, if we're talking about love, as much as I want to say that I would do it, 
I'd have a hard time if God came to me and said, listen, I want you to be the Savior. I want you to give your life. And when you give your life, most people are not going to accept you. Most people are, are going to reject what you do. The sacrifice you give for your life, most people are going to reject it. How many know a lot of us would say, you know what, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not, no, no thank you. But Jesus, listen, Jesus would come back and do it all again for one person. True love. There's no love greater than the love of Jesus. So he doesn't give up. Jesus never gives up on us. Love never gives up, never, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's the definition of love. Now, I got one more verse there at the end of that chapter in verse 13. Many of you know it. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Which one's the greatest? But the greatest of these is love. You know what God is saying to us this morning? If we get this love thing right, we get everything else right. And he's saying if we have everything else right, but we don't have love right, we're off. Right? We gotta, now, maybe at this point in the message, we've started to realize, man, this whole love thing is work. This whole love thing takes work. It's not, it doesn't come naturally. None of us wake up in the morning full of love. Amen? We don't, just, we don't wake up that way. How many know it's easier to hate than it is to love? It doesn't take a whole, just like, just like frowning. It's easier to frown. You don't have to, you don't have to lift your mouth. You're already there. It, love takes work. Love takes action. Love takes a choice. Now I want to ask a question. How many soldiers of Jesus Christ do I have in this place this morning? Let me see your hand if you're a soldier of Jesus Christ in the army of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you all raised your hands because we are. We're soldiers. Now, in, as a soldier in the army of the Lord, I, I must obey my commands. And I want to give you a few commands here from Jesus. And I want you to realize that now we're going to see what Jesus says about love. And there's nobody who has a better, better uh, platform than Jesus because, again, he went all the way to the cross. He finished the work. You see, he's on that cross. He said, it is finished. Amen. And so he, here's some commands from Jesus. 22, 37 to 40 of Matthew. Watch this. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus said, you maybe should. You could. He says you shall. That's a command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But he doesn't stop there. That's, that's not enough. That's the first part. But then he says, and this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. Now watch this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a command. He didn't say you should love the neighbor that you like. You should love the neighbor that you get along with. He says you shall love your neighbor. Neighbor means anybody. How many have got some neighbors that you don't like? And I'm not even talking about in your neighborhood or apartment complex. I'm just talking about people, period. There's people we don't like. I've never had God ask me, hey, do you, do you want to just not like those people? He doesn't give us that choice. We have to love everybody. Amen. We have to. It's a commandment. Can you read that sixth or seventh word there? Commandment. It doesn't say uh, 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 maybe a good idea. He says it's a commandment. And if I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, I must say, Lord, yes, sir. I'm going to love 
like you want me to love. Now, as easy, as easy or hard as it's going to be, i got to love. Now, this is really crazy. He tells me to love him. That's not that hard. It's not hard to love God. I've never struggled with loving God. Then he says, love my neighbor like myself. And then he goes further. He goes way further. Matthew 5, 44. Watch this. This is, this is crazy. But I say to you, how many know Jesus just could have ended there? With love your neighbor, right? Because then we could just choose which neighbor we wanted. Right? Choose the neighbor you want to talk to. Choose the neighbor you don't want to talk to. But he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, this is where it's going to get deep, and this is where I want you to really catch this, this message. Love your enemies. See, when we look at the word enemies, we look at somebody else. We see enemies, and we think of people who have hurt us. But I'm going to flip this around on you this morning. I'm going to make this change your life this morning. You need to start looking. When you see the word enemy, you need to start looking at yourself. Because me and you are enemies of the cross. Me and you are enemies of God. The Bible says if you're not with me, you're against me. And you may be saved now, but you weren't always saved. You may be born again now, but you weren't always born again. You may be sanctified now, but you weren't always sanctified. You may be justified now, but you weren't always justified. You were, before you met Jesus, an enemy of the cross. And so the way that I can love my enemies is realizing that God is asking me to love others as he loved me. Please get that. He's asking me to love others as he loved me. See, I was that enemy. He says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. And do good. He, he, so go back again. He could have just said, love them. You know, hey, love you. He says, do good to them. Bless them. And then he goes even further. He wants me to take time and pray for them. And not just the kind of bad enemies, the ones who spitefully, or in other words, on purpose, hurt me. See, one thing's having an enemy, like, you know, they're just general. You know, they're your enemy. Another thing is when you got someone who likes to hurt you. Like, they're going to go out of their way to hurt you. Like, they're going to make sure that they spitefully use you. And God says, I don't want you just to love them. I want you to do good to them. I don't just want you to do good to them. I want you to, I want you to bless them. And I don't want you just to bless them. I want you to pray for them. Okay, God. But see, it's not that hard when I put myself back in that verse. Because that's me. Without Jesus. Problem is we try to love like Jesus without Jesus. If Jesus is Lord, then I look at my neighbor, my enemy, my, my foe, the person who's hurt me, and I just realize they're just like me. They're just a different person. If I start looking at my enemy that way, it'll change your life for a good, for a good cause. I want another verse in John 13, 35, is he says, if you want people to know you're my disciples, you've got to love them. He says, this is how people will know. You, now, you said you were a soldier, and I'd ask you the question, do, are you a disciple? Do you want to be a disciple? Most of us, I hope, would say, yes, I want to be a disciple. Well, this is how people will know you're a disciple. 
that you love one another. You know why we can't sometimes love our enemies? Because we don't even love each other. If we can't love the people in church, now maybe I'm not talking to anybody. Maybe this is for nobody this morning. But if we can't love the people in church, if we can't love the the ones God has put around us, how are we going to love our enemy? If we can't get it right here, see, this is practice. The church should be a place where love abounds. The church should be a place where we care about each other. And and I hope we do, and I believe that we do. I'm just saying we got to get beyond just saying it. we got to mean it, and we got to show it. And whenever I get that little thing in my, in my, thing in my crawl, that attitude or that, that lack of love or whatever, i got to get back on my knees at the altar and say, Lord, help me remember where I used to be and who I used to be and what I used to be like because I was not lovable, just like that person's not lovable that you're asking me to love. That was me. All you new converts, don't let yourself get to a place where you forget where you came from. You have to remember. You have to remember what Jesus saved you from. And if you keep that fresh in your spirit, you will be able to love your enemies. Because it doesn't matter. Listen, there's some bad stuff that happens. But it doesn't matter. Because Jesus didn't ask. I don't see anywhere in those scriptures where it said, if it's not too bad. If they don't hurt you too bad. If it's not too serious. There's no buts or ifs there. He said, I give you a commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. I love lots of things, but here's the main thing I love. That Jesus does not ask me to do something that he has not done. Does anybody else get annoyed to the very max when somebody asks you to do something that they won't do themselves? That drives me nuts. Listen, I'll do anything you want me to do, but don't ask me to do something you won't do yourself. Jesus didn't say, love your enemies. He showed us how to love, his, love the enemies. He stood up on that cross and looked down as they mocked him, and he looked over at the thief that was mocking him and said, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. That was an enemy of the cross. He looked down on those soldiers who mocked him, and he said these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We'd get that attitude. If we would look at the people who are hurting us and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If we would look at them as if we were looking at ourselves. God had grace on you. God had mercy on you when you didn't deserve it. Why, why, why are you better than them? Come on, somebody. Why are you better than them? Are you better than them? I'm not better than anybody. Every time I start to get some kind of religious puffed up feeling that I've made it I'm somebody I remind I remember who I was and it don't even have to be that you are really really you don't have to be a gangbanger a murderer a rapist or some crazy crazy you are a sinner you were separated from God and your destination that you deserve was hell forever but Jesus loved me when I was not lovable And he didn't expect me to get my life together before he changed me. He said, listen, I want you just like you are. Who does that? Nobody but Jesus. Jesus says, I want you just like you are. I don't want you to do nothing. I don't want you to go change nothing. I don't want you to go talk to nobody. I just want you to come to the altar just like you are. Come, come to me. Come to me. I'm taking you. I want you like you are. 
Because I want to show you the mercy and the grace that you need to show other people. And when you lose track of who you were and that you were an enemy of the cross, that's when you lose your love. But when you go back and you remember how wretched you were and how lost you were, the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. That's when love becomes real again. And then when Jesus didn't, didn't ask us, he told us. I'm, watch this. Let me finish with this. Three C's of love. Three C's. I had the message already, but on the way to church this morning, I got these three C's. The Holy Spirit dropped it right in. He covers us, it compels us, and it completes us. The blood of Jesus covers us. The love of Jesus covers us. The love of Jesus compels us. And the love of Jesus completes us. I'm complete when I'm loving like Jesus loved. 1 Peter 4.8, under covering, says, Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Fervent love for one another. Because love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Compels. You know what compels me to love this morning? That Jesus loved me first. That's what compels me. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Look at this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Listen closely. Stay with me here. How many have ever heard the verse? Didn't we say, Lord, Lord? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? And he says, I don't know you. Somebody, get this. I don't know you. Why would he not know us? Because he who says he loves God and does not love is not of God. So you can claim to be a Christian all you want. And you can come to church all you want. You can carry the Bible all you want. You do all those things all you want. But if you don't love, God does not know you. Because love is what matters to God. And it is hypocritical to be a believer and expect God to love you, but you don't love other people. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical 101. Those people don't deserve your love, God's love any less than you did. And that's what changes us. When we begin to see the world, that that's who we are. I'm the enemy. I'm him. I'm her. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. In this, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that, that through him we might live. Watch this last part. In this is love. Not that we loved God. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the, the sacrifice. He took my place. Beloved, if, if God so loved us, we ought to. Not maybe we should. We ought to. It's a command. Love one another. And finally, completes us. Colossians 2.10 says, you are complete in him. Without Jesus, we're incomplete. But in Jesus, we are complete, who is the head of all principality and power. And finally, Romans 8.38 and 39, I sent this out this morning. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we thank you for your love. True love. 
God, we're here learning this morning what true love is. The world tries to teach us. The the world tries to show us. But by definition of the world, Lord, love has to do with feelings. And a lot of times I don't feel like loving. But you didn't ask us how we feel, Father. You said love because I have loved you. Father, you're telling us this morning, basically, to sum up the whole thing, you're saying we can't expect love from you if we don't love others. We can't expect to get from you what we don't give to others. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is the greatest commandment. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And that you would love others as you love yourself. Church, we need a fresh touch, a fresh reminder of what Jesus did for us. We need to be reminded of what we looked like before the cross. What our life was like B.C., before Christ. How messed up we were, how lost we were, and how unlovable we were. But Jesus still loved us. He still loved us. While I was a sinner, while I was at my worst point, at my worst day, He loved me. And it wasn't a conditional, it was an unconditional love. The condition is me. I choose if I want to accept that love or not. But his love never ends. That's why he'll love you in heaven. He'll love you in hell. Death can't separate you from his love. But you can separate yourself from his love. It's a choice. I set before you life and death. Choose life. I hope every every person in this place this morning chooses life. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not chosen life. The Bible says today is the day of your salvation. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day where you can turn your life over. You can say, Jesus, I'm lost without you. I don't know, the, I don't know true love. Many of, many, of, many of us in here this morning have a, a, a corrupted definition of what love is. Because all we've, all we've known is people's love and lack of. But God's love is perfect. The Bible says God's love casts out all fear. He loved us. I love him because he loved me first. He said, I'll go first. I'll die. And I'm going to do something for you, God said. And whether you accept it or not, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to go all the way to the cross. I'm going to die for you. You choose if you want to accept it or not. I, I can't speak for you, but I accept it. How many in this place this morning, as the presence of the Lord is here, could say, Pastor, I've never said that prayer. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never said, Jesus, I'm I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to know the love of God today. If you're here and you've never done that, how many would say, Pastor, that's me. Just lift your hand and put it right back down all over this place. That's me. I don't know Jesus. I'm not saved. My name's not in the Lamb's book of life this morning. I don't know where I'd go if I passed into eternity. Maybe you're here and you're you're running from the Lord. You knew him at some time, point. You, you gave your life to Jesus. You said a sinner's prayer. But today you're like Gomer. You've gone back to harlotry. You've gone back to prostitution. You've gone back to your old ways. And Jesus is saying, come home, wayward child. Come home. I've never stopped loving you, but you've stopped loving yourself. How many would say, that's me. I need to come home today. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down all over this place. That's me. Amen. God bless you. God sees your heart. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to sing a song. Here's one thing I'm sure about. We all need more love. 
But we can't give what we don't have. Did you hear that? We can't give what we don't have. The way you get things right in your relationship with others is getting right in your relationship with God. It's why we're so adamant always about making sure that what you're listening to glorifies God, what you watch glorifies God, who you hang around with glorifies God, because those things are so easily pulling you away from the plan that God has for your life. There was a movie of several years ago, and there's a saying that's so true. It says, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need anybody to help me do bad. I wake up bad. I need God to help me do right. You can look at someone's life and you can say, man, they sure are loving. But nobody in this place is loving without the love of God. You give the credit to God because he's the one that puts his love in us. Because I don't know about y'all this morning. You may look at me a certain way, but if it wasn't for God, I don't know where I'd be. I know I'd be in hell, but I don't know what I'd have done before I got there. Because I can do bad by myself. I need Jesus to keep me. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? But I got to look at that verse of the enemy and realize that was me. I was the enemy. I'm the one that needs to change. I'm the one that needs forgiveness. And then I'll be able to help forget. I'll be able to forgive others when I realize that they're no worse than me. They need the love of Jesus just as much as I did. As we begin to sing this song, whether you stay at your seat, you come to the altar, let's do some business with God this morning for a few minutes. Let's talk to him and say, Lord, help me love like Jesus this morning. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.